Well, good morning, Vineyard Community Church, and happy Easter to you. I know it looks like the Sea of Galilee behind me, but I promise you it's not. We are here at Lake Reba. We wanted to do this last one. Um, we wanted it to be great. We wanted it to be wonderful and different. And so here we are outside looking at this. You know, this Easter is not like uh, any Easter that I've had since I got saved, since I met Jesus as my own Lord and Savior. I have not experienced an Easter like this where we were at home or we were not at church. But the truth of the matter is this Easter ends up being more like the real Easter than any other Easter that I have been a part of. Today I want to begin the Easter story in Luke chapter 1. Now I've been saying this over and over and over again through this whole series, I saw Jesus. And we've been talking about where people saw Jesus do a healing, where people saw Jesus loving sinners, where people saw Jesus reaching out and making a difference. And we want to be that kind of a people. But I keep telling you that, uh, that Luke wrote this to a guy named Theophilus. So let me just share that passage with you in opening this up. It says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. There's that phrase that I keep sharing with you, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you were taught. And so that's where we're going to begin Easter Sunday morning this year. And I just want to share with you, if that's the only passage that you had from the scripture, what were the things that we could learn from that just readily? See, when we read the scripture, we just read to it, read through it way too fast. We just kind of pass over some of the things that are written. So as Luke opens up his account of the gospel, these are the things that we can learn. Many people followed Jesus, and of those that followed Jesus, many tried to make up a record of the ministry time of Jesus. The, the, he refers to it as the things that were fulfilled among us, the miracles. Um, we need to tell you what Jesus did. And, and so Luke is saying, Theophilus, I'm, I'm going to go down through this one at a time. And this is what it looks like, dude. So he says, I investigated it all. That's the second thing. He said, so I'm trying to draw up my own account, and I'm going to preserve this this story. The third thing that we see is in the midst of his investigation, he's doing it all himself. He's not relying on anybody else's account. He's going, do you realize he could have gone to Mary, he could have gone to John, he could have gone to Peter. Luke himself could have gone to these people to investigate these things so that he can say, um, Theophilus, these people were there, had their hands on him. It, it was ground zero for what actually happened. And the fourth, th fourth thing is, if I can get this right in this breeze, the fourth thing is, the he says, Theophilus, I want you to be certain. I need you, Theophilus, to be certain of the things that we were taught by our close friends who were eyewitnesses. I don't want you to die thinking, was it right? And so what I hear is a reference to the book of John when Jesus um, is getting ready to preach on, on the, uh, the mount and, and feed the 5,000. And just ahead of that, I believe is where this takes place, um, John sends his disciples to Jesus and says, listen, dude, I'm in jail. I'm about to get my head cut off. Can you assure me that, man, I got this right? Are you the Messiah? <clears throat> and Jesus tells the, the disciples, you, uh, John's disciples, he said, you go back and tell John that the, the, the blind see, that the lame walk, and that the prisoner is set free. And so he assures him, and Luke says, I'm doing the same, same thing for you. Now, 
For Easter Sunday morning, we're going to jump to the end of the book of Luke. We're going to go to the 24th chapter. So we begin with why he's writing it. I'm reassuring you for all the times that I've said it in this sermon series that here we are on the first day of the week. Now, we count our week Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but that's not the way it's counted scripturally. Biblically, it's counted Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So the first day of the week is Sunday morning. On the first day of the week, on Sunday morning, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find a body. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, and in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. Here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was with us in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again? Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. So we know that the eleven were together. Remember, Judas has hung himself. The, uh, the eleven were together, but there were a lot more people with the disciples on Easter Sunday morning than just the eleven. These women, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. They came in and they're like, guys, he's risen from the dead. He's not there. And of course, the disciples, the, what we call the apostles, looked at him and like, you, you people are out of your mind. And, and so I love this part. Peter, however... Okay, we could go through every gospel, each of the four gospels, and every time we read Peter, we could say, Peter, however, because he was the one that was always doing something. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what happened. This is the Easter account. Now, in John's account, in John's gospel of Jesus Christ, I love that, that uh, Peter runs to the tomb. John is running with him. And of course, John's writing this. So John says, I outran Peter and got to the tomb first. But then Peter ran straight through into the tomb immediately, making himself unclean. But he didn't care because he wanted to be where Jesus was. Peter was told by the women that the tomb was empty and he needed to get there. So the, mo the morning begins to unfold. In John's account, Mary also saw Jesus before. And so we begin this, the end of this sermon series with I saw Jesus with Mary seeing Jesus. In the book of Luke, in Luke 24, Sunday morning unfolds. We see this, uh, this interaction at the empty tomb, but then immediately Luke goes, I need to tell you this other story about these two disciples that were on their way to, to Emmaus. And as they were walking on their way to Emmaus, um, uh, the stranger came up to them and began to say, let me just read it for you. It says they got up, oh, excuse me, um, the story unfolds, and as they're headed down the road, um, they, they invite Jesus, not knowing that it was Jesus, to stay and eat with them. As soon as Jesus Jesus breaks uh, the bread for the meal uh, and asks the blessing on it. They immediately know who it is. He disappears from their sight. And they leave the house and as fast as they can run back to Jerusalem where it says they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem where they found the 11 and those with them. Remember, there we are again. And they were assembled together and they said, it is true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. 
Then the two of them told what had happened on the way, how Jesus had, was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And so we had this story of Jesus saying, why are you guys so sad? And the two guys on the road to Emmaus said, um, are you a stranger to Jerusalem? Do you not know what has taken place this week during the Passover and this weekend? And they crucified our Savior and now the tomb was empty and the women said that he was alive and we just don't know what's going on. And Jesus, when he sits down to eat with them, uh, breaks the bread, they recognize him. And at this point, here we are, we're back to the sermon series, they can say, I saw Jesus. And that's what they came to do. They raced back to Jerusalem just to say, I saw Jesus. So the guys that are going to Emmaus aren't going to Emmaus anymore. And suddenly they appear there. And I love that while they're telling the disciples, um, while they're telling the disciples that they saw Jesus out on the, um, the road, while they were still talking about this, with the 11 and the others, suddenly Jesus appears in the room. The scripture goes on to say, while they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened and thinking they saw a ghost. And Jesus said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. And see, I have. And so as we understand this, we see um, Mary saw Jesus in the morning. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus saw Jesus. They race back to the disciples, the 11, and the others that are with them in the upper room. They're in the upper room and Jesus appears. And now all of those people are saying, listen, he was crucified on Friday, metaphorically, and I saw Jesus. He who was dead is not dead any longer. And so we have this. And then... Um, Thomas comes in after Jesus leaves, and Thomas, you know that story maybe, where Thomas is like, no, 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 I'm not gonna believe it if I don't see it. And so um, eight days later, uh, in that very, very upper room, which is about 12 days afterwards, Jesus appears just to Thomas. And I'm gonna be honest with you, Thomas is kind of a no-name disciple. You know, he's like one of those guys down low on the roster. You don't hear a lot about Thomas. You don't hear him, the scriptures say that James and John and Thomas went in to see Jairus' daughter. James and John and Thomas went up on top of the Mount of Transfiguration. James and John and Thomas were running around to see a gallery. You don't see that kind of thing going on. What you do see is, is uh, Thomas showing up here in a very profound way. And as this is unfolding, it's kind of crazy because Jesus is willing to come back for one. He's willing to come back for one disciple to reassure him that death has no hold on the people of the kingdom of God. And so he comes back. And I love that Thomas saw Jesus. He saw Jesus 12 days after the crucifixion. He saw him alive and walking around. And remember, John says these things are written that we might believe that the grave has no hold on you and I. And I love that Paul is, I believe he wrote the book of Hebrews. As he writes in Hebrews chapter 2, he says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. So by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in bondage by their fear of death. As soon as Jesus walked into the room with the disciples and the others, suddenly we were in a position where death has not, we have nothing to fear from death. 
because death couldn't hold Jesus. And so that's where we are. Man, I read this story every year, and every year for 27 years that I've been a pastor, I've been looking for different ways to share the Easter story. And I'm looking at this, and just because of what's going on in our environment, the things that are going on in our society with the COVID-19, um, I'm just thinking that um, um, we need to see what's going on in this story. We need to understand we don't have to be afraid. We need to see the power of God, which is exactly what the writers of the gospel of Jesus Christ was trying to get across to us. It is big, it is gripping, it is all-powerful, and as well, it is mysterious, but it is God, this resurrection. So as we look at this thing and we see what was going on, check the stories when you're reading them, whether you're reading in Matthew, whether you're reading in John, whether you're reading in Luke. <clears throat> look at this. These are the things that I see readily. The people who weren't looking for the Lord almost missed the Lord. What about in your own personal life? As you go through the, the, the Easter series, as, as, uh, uh, um, as you're spending this day, and I hope you got all dressed up and you guys are in your house and, and you're spending some time here. But listen, people who aren't looking for the Lord almost miss the Lord. And so many times we go through our lives and we're just doing our doing and, and we forget that God is not done doing his doing that he is still working amongst us here upon this earth, that, that the, the writer of the scripture says that, that when we entertain angels at times, excuse me, strangers, at times we entertain angels. And so as I was going through the story uh, in anticipation of sharing with you this Easter, one of the things that caught my attention was people that aren't looking for the Lord almost missed him until he broke the bread. Jesus, we don't know how far Jesus walked with these people. We don't know what was going on. What we do know is he walked with them for a significant amount of time, but when he did something, when he broke the bread, something maybe that they had seen in the upper room before he was crucified, it suddenly opened up their eyes and they realized it was the Lord and they ran. The second thing that I take out of this is people that saw the Lord had to tell somebody. What does that mean to you? As we enter Easter and you see the Lord, do you have to tell somebody? When God intervenes in your life, is it significant enough to you? Is it powerful enough to you? Is it God enough to you that you have to tell somebody? Because everybody that the Lord continues to appear from, uh, appear to, they run back and they tell somebody. And the question is, who are you telling? The last thing I want to share with you before I go into some other stuff here is that uh, the people that saw the Lord died and never changed their story, ever. Most of the disciples were martyred, literally martyred. Even though John died on the Isle of Patmos, he was boiled before he was um, sent to the Isle of Patmos because the boiling didn't kill him, then, then they, they sent him out there. And so we've got this picture of these people that are martyred over and over and over and over again. And not one of them, to the day they died, changed their story. Not a one. All of them, in the course that the gospel accounts and Paul's letters are written, easily could have gone back to Peter, James, and Mary. They could have gone back to anybody that walked with Jesus and said, tell me a first person, a first hand story of you walking with Jesus. They got it right and then nobody changed their story. You know, in the Watergate trials in the 70s, it took, uh, um, what'd they say, 17 hours, if I, if I get this right, it took 17 hours to break the first person of the three little criminals that were there to change his story because he didn't want to go to jail, so he bailed on his buddies. 11 disciples, they picked a, a 12th one, which actually was 13, 
and none of them changed their story even when it cost them their lives. That doesn't happen. It happens when you're telling the truth and you've got no other story except I saw Jesus. Sorry about that. Um, and so that was their story. The story has always been and will always be, I saw Jesus. I don't know why this, the church, I believe in America, stopped looking for Jesus. I'm not sure. But I do believe that Jesus has not stopped doing things. I believe that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago, but I certainly don't believe that he stopped speaking to his disciples. The scripture will record over and over again that he's going to continue to pour into our lives. The question is, do we want to go to church or do we want to be the church? Do we as a church want to understand that we're the bride of Christ and in being the church, God still wants to speak to us. Not only does he want to speak to us, he wants to speak through us. Kind of silly, right? Do we want to be the church or go to the church? But, but honestly, it's a real question because we've got this idea up until recently, especially, that church is a building and it's not, it's the people. And suddenly we're finding out in the midst of this whole um, 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 a plague, if you will, that uh, the church really is the people. It's not the building. We can still love people that are different than us. And, and listen, there's no place for us to throw rocks at people. There's no place for us to actually be ugly. There's a place for us to invite people into the love of God through the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary. That's our mission. That's what we're supposed to be about. Isn't that amazing? But do we seek God? Because people will ask me all the time, if he's still real and if he's still doing that, then why don't I see him? And my question will be, if he's real and if he's still doing things, why aren't you seeking him? Why aren't you selling out like Jesus said and realizing, hey, this is a pearl of great price. I better sell everything I've got to buy it because salvation is forever. And so that's our invitation. Do we seek God? Look what, what, what God said for Moses to tell the people. But if from here you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. That's in, in Deuteronomy 4.29. And that's just a challenge that, that I found over and over and over and over and over uh, in the scripture. That if, we, if we seek God, if we seek him with all of our heart, he will be found by us. But the question is, do we do a casual seeking or do we do a real seeking? You know, a casual seeking is, is, is when you put all the, the Easter eggs out on the lawn so that the three-year-olds can find them because they have to be right there, okay? But when you're hiding eggs for high schoolers, then you put them in places and they have to seek for them like they mean it, especially if you put money in them instead of candy in them, right? That's how you do. And so God is saying, you will, you, you will find me when you seek for me with all of our heart. And I think Easter is a time where we've got to stop and say, wow, we haven't been looking for Jesus even though he told us that bury him and three days later he will come back from the dead. His father will raise him up. And when he did it, nobody expected it to happen. Everybody was all doom and gloom. Everybody was all like, well, the party's up. We might as well just go back to fishing. We might as well just hide in the upper room. And then Jesus shows up in the upper room and says, I told you, I told you, man. And here I am. I want to see Jesus. It is the whole and sole goal of my whole life. And I'm just really serious about that. And, and I just began to write down through, since I was 17 years old when I met Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I thought, what are some of the things that I've seen? And I wanna say this. I'm just gonna go down through here. They're not in any chronological order, but I just have, have been down through this. I saw Jesus heal my granddaughter's finger. You can believe me, you cannot believe me. I watched my wife put a mitten on, take the cookies out of the oven, put it on the stove, 
and my granddaughter came up and put her finger on it and charred it brown. It was charred. And I grabbed a hold of it. My wife went to get the Neosporin. I was trying to cool it off in the cold water. I put my hand on it, just instinctively prayed, and it, and it, it was gone. We're talking in, in less than two or three seconds from the time that, that it stung her finger. It was gone. I saw Jesus pay for two years of my education. I had five kids. My father-in-law had passed away, a man that was near and dear to my heart when I was in Bible college, and it was very, very important to me. And I'm telling you, for two years, I went to Bible college, paid for Bible college, did not have a job. I did odd jobs on the side where people would help me, but it's amazing that people from Wisconsin that I had never met were passing through Ohio and just felt like they needed to be a part of my education when they heard that I was headed to Bible college. It was dumbfounding to me. What was going on? I saw Jesus the year after my father-in-law died. The family had invested uh, in Janice and I to finish up our Bible college. I saw Jesus use a stranger when I was at a college at a conference, reach onto my back and say, as soon as I said, Lord, I'm here, I will go into the ministry, I'm by myself, this man walked up to me and did not know he was saying, put his hand in the middle of my back and just said, it's okay, I'm here. Right after I had prayed and said, Lord, I'm here and, and this is it. I saw Jesus in, in Western Oklahoma change the lives of people that were hungry and seeking after him. I saw Jesus change the heart of a judgmental under, man so that he could understand grace in the lives of, of remarried couples, people that had gone through broken marriages. I, I knew a whole community that, that, that thought if somebody's marriage ended and they ended up in divorce, they were going straight to hell. And that's not what scripture says. But I watched a man who embraced that with violence come to a place where he understood grace and repent, and it was only Jesus that did that. I saw Jesus move my family from Oklahoma, 1,043 miles to Richmond, Kentucky, a place I'd never been before, where I took a job for $30 a week and a cell phone, and suddenly, in the course of events, um, grew a church to over 200 people. I saw Jesus call my wife and I to plant this vineyard, and we wondered, what's going to happen? We're going to have to give up a good job because we'd grown that church, and then all of a sudden, this vineyard just grew because God had a plan, and we gave him our best yes. I saw Jesus when a lady who lived 100 miles from us lost her spouse send us a check for a ridiculous amount of money, and on the morning that the first time in my life ever I challenged you as a church to raise $50,000 from Thanksgiving to Christmas. In between the two services, that check came in the door and it was for half of that challenge. It was crazy. Only God does that. You, you know me. I'm not health, wealth, and prosperity. I'm just telling you the timing of that check when I asked God, are you sure you want me to get on that stage and talk about doing this? And they opened up a letter and half of it was in that letter. I saw God do that. I saw God lead our own staff members to, chant, to plant churches. I saw Jesus heal a blind, blind man in Zimbabwe when I was there this past fall to the surprise of all the nurses that were there. The man came in because he had a leg problem. And his leg problem wasn't what took place. He was blind and had been blind for years. And the nurses were screaming and they didn't understand what had happened. 
I saw Jesus and a 12-year-old young man walk up to me a couple of months ago in the middle of the service and say, I want Jesus in my heart. I saw Jesus do that to somebody. I see Jesus sustaining people that have been rejected, betrayed, are scared, are lonely, are themselves wondering where God is, and God is near. In the midst of everything going on, he is near. I have seen Jesus do entirely too many things that cannot be written off to coincidence. The probability is just too astronomical. It isn't real to think it just happened. So here's the part that I wanna share with you this Easter morning. When we aren't looking for Easter, oft times we won't experience it. And that's where God just said, you will seek for me and find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. As we come out of this, whatever you wanna call it, let's, and we come crashing back together in our church and we just can't stand not to be together. Let's not forget that the church is not the building, it's the people. And in doing that, let's remember that we're looking for God. We're looking for what he did. We're talking about it. If we experience it, we will have to tell somebody. It's the call of the church in America today. It's the call of the church around the world. And that's our call as a vineyard here in Richmond, Kentucky. We cannot keep it in. You're gonna have your own stories of where you saw Jesus and what you saw happen. And if we tell somebody, I promise you, lives will be changed. I saw Jesus and I have seen and I still see Jesus changing lives. And I will continue to share the gospel of Jesus Jesus, because I love seeing families come back together. We have a calling to make life more infectious than death. We are talking about infection, 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 and I'm telling you right now, we as the church are called to make life more infectious than death is. And I, wanna, I just want to invite you, get a hold of that idea and, and just begin to ask yourself, where can I do that very thing? See, all of this happens when somebody shares with somebody else the revelation that God is and that Jesus is alive and that they saw him do this. You've seen the compassion of Jesus. You've seen the love of Jesus. You've seen the move of Jesus. You've seen the words of Jesus. Wherever it is that I saw Jesus, you gotta tell somebody. You gotta do that. Listen, I'm gonna wrap up in prayer, but I just want you to know that right now, if this isn't your experience, where you can see Jesus. We have got people waiting for you this Easter Sunday morning on live chat at vineyardrichmond.com. Just go on over there. You'll see a button down there, a green button says chat. Click that button and I promise you there are people right there that wanna pray with you, live people that wanna pray with you. You don't have to leave a message. They wanna pray with you uh, because we believe in the power of God, the power of the risen Christ to change lives. And so I wanna encourage you in that. Hey, let me just pray for you as we wrap this thing up, okay? God, we just come before you on behalf of our lives, our community, our family, our loved ones. Uh, God, we just come on, uh, on our knees and just say, Lord, we speak against this uh, virus in the name of Jesus, but we thank you for Easter. We thank you for the understanding that Jesus is risen, that it's not enough that he died for our sins. It's imperative that we recognize the power of God that raised him from the dead because that power is what we're seeking because that is the person of Jesus. Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And as we move forward, God, I just ask and pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in our lives because it is time to see our world change and you've called us to do it. Get us out from the baggage, God. Get us out of the shadows. Get us into the light. Get us out of the fear and move us into the front lines that we might be sharing the hope. Tell us to put our rocks down, God, because we need to be the people bringing the hope of Jesus Christ right now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. God bless you. And I hope you have a wonderful Easter.